So, Berto, I came across an article online, mm. and I thought we should talk about it because I'm curious as to what you think about it. Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I fabricate reusable lies. So this article was on Psychology Today, written, uh, and it's titled, Five Tips for Helping Kids Regarding Sexual Predators, oh. written by Catherine Ramsland, PhD, because you have two daughters that are of that age where yeah. you should be or maybe already have or will in the soon future in an age-appropriate way, talk about safety yeah. regarding predators of various different Stranger kinds. danger. Right. And it's complicated because what do you say and how much should you say? Because you, well, you don't want to scare the crap out of them. Of course. And even just the idea of like stranger danger, well, it turns out it's not always a stranger. Right. It's usually not a stranger. Yeah. Right. So, Berto, as we go through these... Art, as you know, in the article, they have these five tips, mm -hmm. and I'll provide my own commentary on this. But think of your own kids as we go through these tips. And also, another question to contemplate for yourself is, would this have helped you when right. you were when a, I was kid? a kid? Because you were abused yeah. by a babysitter. Yeah, yeah. Would these things, if your dad had talked with you about right. these things, would, would it have helped? I mean, who talks to a five-year-old about these things? Or a four-year-old. Exactly. And even, because there's a, I don't know, there's a possibility that regardless of these things having been yeah. done or not done by your dad, it might not have actually stopped it. Because it's the, possible, yeah. uh, you know, the, how, the, the chance that someone would suspect a 13-year-old teenage girl of sexually abusing a five-year-old boy, you know, it's it's not usually the profile that people are looking for when right. they're suspecting mm -hmm. of a risk. You know, yeah, even yeah. though it's clearly a risk, it happens. Yeah. It happens way more than people realize. Yeah. So, number one, so this is from the article: teach kids about grooming behavior and the importance of telling someone if it happens. They say, be open to those who try to say they're in trouble. So, be open to kids who say they're in trouble. They might not know quite how to reveal it or might describe something that's difficult to believe, but it's important to take them seriously, so listen. But anyway, the main tip here is teach kids about grooming behavior and the importance of telling someone. That's a pretty general tip, right? But yeah. how does that apply first to your own yeah. kids? I also don't know how the language, like the word groom, I mean, nowadays, nowadays it's actually like it's used a lot, you know? Certainly, I never heard of this term prior to, I don't know, like last 10 years maybe or something. But yeah. but I'm thinking about a child, like, you know, let's take a five-year-old child. Um, it'd be, I think it would be really abstract to try to explain, you know, I'm going to explain to you what grooming is. Well, know, think right? about for your own kids. <laughs> right. Your kids are 11 yeah. and 6? And 7, yeah. 7? Yeah. So have you just, before I we get I have definitely it. had conversations about being, you know, body boundaries, not just me, like as a family, we've talked about bo body boundaries and about being able to talk to mommy or daddy about anything. What do you say? Um, well, even like with my first child from a very, early, very early age, like oh, when oh. she could understand my language, so let's say two, three. Okay. I started 
telling her stories about when I was little and I didn't tell my dad about problems and I, not like sexual abuse stuff, but just when I didn't tell my dad that I got in trouble at school or when I didn't get tell my dad and always my stories and, and these weren't made up. They always ended with me being in worse situations as a result of me not trying to bring my, my dad into the problem. One of them is when I was in, um, I, was, I was very little. I was, I think in first grade. And on the way home from school on the bus, uh, someone was selling a Michael Jackson poster and I had a little bit of money and I bought it. And for some reason, I felt that I couldn't tell my dad that I had bought this poster. So, so just to put, is yeah. this the tone and the words that you would use telling her when yes, she's three Yes, I would tell old? her the, the story like this. I'd be like, you know, and I'd, I'd add a little bit. I'd say like, so, you know, daddy was on the bus. I was coming home from school and then someone was selling a poster from, and then I would like play the song. I was like, yeah, from this, I, I was a big fan and... And then I got home, but I was, I was scared that my daddy would be mad. And then my little kid was like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell you. I was just scared. So I, I, when, when my dad asked me where I got the poster, I, I lied. And I said, oh, I, I won it in a spelling competition. And, and then my dad was so proud of me. Wow, I can't believe. So I'll tell the story like this. And then I'll say, but later that night after dinner, my dad came upstairs and was like, uh, so what words did did you win with? And I had forgotten that I told him the story. So I didn't know what he was asking me. And so then he's like, Bertico, were you telling me the truth about the poster? And then I, I had to come clean. And then I got in trouble because I had lied. And he said, you're not in trouble because of you buying a poster. You're in trouble because you lied to me. Yeah, so this is a great lesson regarding telling the truth in general. Not in only, general, right. Not only just... right lies about worries about getting in trouble but right. which often victims ch child victims will worry right not only just because of our weird society regarding sexuality right and the way that we always talk about it in hush hush terms but also the perpetrator might say don't tell your parents because you'll get in trouble that that kind of thing and and so absolutely and the, the second story is a little bit later in my life i'm not going to tell the whole story now but what i'll say is that this one is more about me I could have had my dad help me with the principal at school, but instead I didn't bring him in. And as a result, I got in trouble at school and was by myself in the situation. Yeah. So these stories are great and would potentially help a child to come forward if they felt that they were being harmed. But it's not specific. So right. There, it's not about like, so the boundaries, the body boundaries, right. things, what did you say? Regarding? Yeah. So for the body boundaries, the way we've had that conversation is so that the usual thing they use nowadays is like, maybe it's, I don't know how old it is, but it's the whole bathing suit areas. Right. So there's definitely been the conversations about like, Hey, bathing suit areas are off limits to anyone, but you with the exception that when you're little, you know, like mommy or daddy might help you with a diaper or stuff. But then that's about it. Right. And then we've made it clear uh, that and it's not just like it doesn't matter if it's an uncle or a cousin. It, it doesn't matter. It's like it's your body. That's for you. Right. So like we have that kind of conversation. The other one, which definitely starts getting a little weirder, and it broke my heart when I had to have this conversation was about not everyone being a nice person, how there are people that are bad people. And, you know, when you see a little kid and you're presenting this very nice, welcoming world to them and they see the little Disney movie or whatever and everything's like, well, that's just in the movies. There's some bad people. But in reality, mommy, daddy, everyone's so nice. Life is really nice. And then all of a sudden your mommy or daddy is saying, well, not everyone's nice because you don't watch the news yet. You don't know all the horrible things that happen. And it's kind of heartbreaking. But 
if you don't present that reality, then I do believe that as a child, you'll just trust implicitly in adults. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having that conversation, and mostly it's not about don't trust anyone. It's more about, hey, feel like mommy and daddy are people you can come to with things. But if someone else is approaching you, uh, they don't get to tell you what to do. Now, if you're at school and the teacher tells you, you know, hey, put your homework, you know, put your this, that is the job of the teacher. That's got to be really confusing to a kid, though. Of course, but but Because they're just like, they're like, well, what are you saying? I don't understand what you're be, saying. Because context is everything. So, so we give examples. Like, let's say you're at the playground and you're not at school, you're not at grandma's house, you're not at home, and someone you don't know says, hey, come with me to the car. You don't know this person. You don't have to do what they say just because they're an adult. In fact... They should, if they're a responsible adult, they shouldn't be asking you. And so we make that point about like responsible adults actually don't ask you those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just cross your fingers and hope like 1% of it makes a dent. And then you don't let them off on their own all the time without supervision. Right. And then the rest is the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so going back to this tip, and those are all great things. And to by the way, about. like I'm just saying what I do. I have no idea how effective it is, but that's what I've done. And I know that when I was a little child, I got none of that. Yeah. Because it wasn't a thing. People just didn't. Would that have helped if you were told those things? I think if my dad had had a conversation along the lines of like secrets are not like, you know, the, those secrets and keeping things away from mommy and daddy, that's not okay. I think I might have, because I was someone who followed rules. I wasn't a rule breaker. Mm -hmm. So maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because it was so insidious, the yeah. activity, and it was, she made you feel special, and you would worry perhaps if you did come forward to, and tell your dad, your dad would yeah. shut, shut it down. Right? Well, and also the conversation about bathing suit areas, I had also never heard of that. So I sort like, no one had told me in, explicitly, by the way, you shouldn't be like, sharing bathing suit areas with others, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe a combination of that plus the don't, you're not, if someone asks you to keep something secret, that's not a thing. Like, don't, yeah. that's not okay. You should, you know. What if your dad had specifically said something along the lines of, when I leave you alone with other adults or mm -hmm. babysitters, uh, teachers, mm -hmm. if any of them ever want Mm -hmm. to touch you in mm -hmm. your bathing suit area or do mm -hmm. something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I need you to tell me right away because that's not okay. It, they're doing something that's not okay. They're doing something yeah. that's not okay, not you. Yeah. And you yeah. you need to tell me about it right away because I that could actually hurt you. Dude, I can imagine so. I listened to my dad about things. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it's like 100%. But it might have helped. Yeah. They have, at least it would have been an opportunity for you to understand what, right. what a path forward. Because as you're saying this, you were saying there was zero conversation about any of this. In fact, he was so unaware, which is surprising, right? But he was so unaware. I think culturally, people just weren't aware of these things. Yeah. Because when one time he found a love letter from me in, in second grade, a love letter from me to a little girl in second grade where I was saying, I want to make love to you. Like a second grader in not, it's pre-internet, right? I wouldn't have watched any shows that talked about it. So it's me going like, I want to make love with you or something like that. It didn't even, I was, didn't even write it quite right, but whatever. My dad found this note and he's like, what, what is this? 
And he asked me, what do you think this means? And then I kind of played coy because I, I didn't want to go into the whole thing. But that's where it ended. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's odd, mm-hmm. right? But I think if we had had that conversation and then something like that, then I think at the very least, maybe this could have been me going, well, actually. Yeah. So when they have this tip here in this Psychology Today article, teach kids about grooming behavior, because the things that you're talking about with your kids are stranger danger. Yeah. But as we know, statistically... Yeah, grooming's not quite strangers. Yeah, it's someone that they know. It's a teacher, a coach, a relative, an older kid, another kid, a kid their age could could abuse them. as As you're mentioning this, I don't think I've actually had those conversations. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I mean... What would that sound like if you talked... Do you talk with both of them at the same time? No, no. So the other thing is, is your older one is heading into dating age. Yeah. And sexuality age, yeah. being 11. Right. She's almost 12, right? She turned 12. Oh, she's 12. Yeah. So 12 and... and so, so 12 is... That's danger, danger. That's right there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That, that's where it's expected within the next not my child though my child is not that she won't be dealing with that till she's well, 25 it's up to her but <laughs> in all likelihood kidding, statistically yes, yes. in the next number of years right. she will be participating yeah. in sexual contact yeah. physical contact oh man <laughs> voluntarily at her at her, you know <sighs> consensual contact with right. with people and that is developmentally normal and fine yeah so how does she differentiate between, uh, I mean, I hate to do this, but, you know, a bathing suit area that is consensual right. and bathing suit area that is not consensual, yeah, right? right? Like that, that's, that's a conversation that I'm, I'm sure schools are briefly discussing at the very, at the, at the, oh, at the dude, most. I don't know. But, You're making me question everything about my life. So <laughs> you are right. I mean, this is part of the reason why we can't have the conversation. Does your wife way. talk with them about it? Yeah. Yeah, well, but I'm sure not enough. Not I'm sure not to this extent. Yeah, I mean, your wife, God bless her. I don't know if her skill set is exactly yeah, in this area. Exactly. <laughs> so you know what? I got to rethink my strategy here because now that I think about it, I I haven't actually had the grooming conversation really with either of them, other than what I mentioned about hey, secrets. People shouldn't be asking you to keep secrets yeah. from mommy and daddy. So let me give right. you a suggestion because you you've been through it and you can modulate it for their ears something like this right. which cuz i've talked with kids like about this topic clinically and personally this is definitely your 12 year old could handle a conversation yeah. like this your 7 year old should hear something along these lines but i'll gear it for like a 10 year old or a 9 year old just to kind mm-hmm. of split the difference and say something like so i don't know if you're going to want to talk about this but I really, really want to talk with you about something because I love you so much and I don't want you to get hurt. And maybe you've already talked about this to other people, but it can't hurt to talk about it again. So I just need you to listen and right. you can ask questions. But this is going to be, I'm going to set the timer. It's going to be a 20 minute uh, block of time where we're going to, you know, because yeah, you're yeah. setting up the sacred space. You're you're telling them this isn't, this is going to be a big deal. This isn't right. just a minor conversation. And maybe it's you and your wife. Maybe it's all four of you. Maybe it's one-on-one depending on the kids and their disposition. Some some kids don't want to be blasted by both parents. You know, <laughs> um, Some kids don't care. So, you know, me and mommy 
had a talk and it's time that we you're you're of age now where yeah. sometimes kids like that they're like ooh you know you're of age where we're marrying you off for money <laughs> uh, they like like ooh so this is what 10 year olds get this, <laughs> right. I'm finally right. let into the inner sanctum this you know this right. is great I actually I felt that way when I an older uh what would he be he's like an uncle to me but but second uncle like you know cousin uncle he let me into the uh, information he started telling me when I was 12 I think he started telling me dirty jokes uh. and I was like oh yeah. so <laughs> it's yeah. a dirty version of it but <laughs> but you know I have something to say and there are people out there that want to hurt people sexually physically yeah. I won't go into details. You can certainly ask questions, but I'll just tell you that there are some people out there. They're rare. Most people don't want to do this. The vast majority of people. Right. And they could be your age. They could be older, but they will want to touch you in your private area Uh. because they want to do that. And they will trick you into getting you alone with you so that they will end up hurting you and touching you. And they might even entice you with candy or privileges or, right. or money. They might make threats to you or something like this. You might not ever come across someone like this. There's a good chance you don't know a single person that's like this, but you never know. Yeah. It, this person could be a relative. It could be a teacher. It could be a friend of the family. Right. It could be a kid at school. It could be, a, it could be someone your age. It yeah. could be one of your friends. It's not likely, but it could happen. And here's how you can detect if they're one of these people. Right. They will gear their conversation with you and their behavior with you in a way that will get you alone. That's one mm. because they need isolate. You. They need you to yeah. be alone, and they also want you to be a little defenseless and also mm-hmm. maybe unclothed, mm-hmm. where they can actually touch you. Yeah. So it would be something like they would get you into a bathroom or a bedroom. Here, or I'll help you change. Or right. Oh, you're going in the pool. Here, let me let me let me adjust yeah. your swimsuit or something. Right. And these people can be men, women, any gender uh, of any age. Yeah. You can come to me and be like, "Is that person going to do that to me? Is that you know who yeah. who's like?" And we can talk about that. And I can already tell you, I'm not going to do that to you, right? Uh, because I would never want to do that. These people who do these things, they want there's something wrong right. with them. They actually want. You know, right. the reason why I'm going over this bit is because we don't want the child to, to be paranoid, paranoid about yeah. every single adult <laughs> that they're around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you want to delineate. You want to say, I'm not like this. Mommy's not like this. Uh, my my brother isn't like this. His wife isn't like this. Kirk's not like this. But you can look for the following five physical characteristics of exactly who will do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of ancillary or preemptive conversations to this about body and yeah. anatomy. And but sexuality. I am getting your, I think I'm getting your general gist. And this is arming me with tools that I can put together a strategy with my wife. And Yeah. And know. then you can even say, and it happened to me. I was hurt by someone. <gasps> I, I've, oh, I, I've right. healed. I've healed from. Now you don't have to, obviously. No, no, no. I'm, but I wouldn't do it with my seven-year-old. But I'm actually because all my that's as I was saying all my history with with both of them. I've always tried to use examples, right? And maybe now at twelve, I without like you said, I'm not obviously not going to go into details, but I could mention that I yeah I was vulnerable. Yeah. The risk of that is that your child would feel overly traumatized secondarily by yeah. by your story. Right. So you want to gauge the kid 
I feel like your older one is pretty sensitive to things. She's so. sp- especially sensitive to diseases and things like that. Like okay. if, if, I, if anyone talks about so illness. If you really wanted to play it safe, it would be something like this. You'd say, you know, and this almost, this sort of happened to me. When I was five years old, I had a babysitter who wanted to touch me down yeah. there. And I won't go into details, but yeah. I... It, I wish someone had had this conversation with me. I wish someone had told me, yeah. and I wish I had told my dad. Because the walls turned black and bloody, and she turned into an alien and attacked yeah. me. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I Nothing was, that would creep her out. But I was confused as a kid, because I didn't No one ever told me what to right. do. I didn't know what and to do. And I felt do. alone about it. I like, felt alone. And, yeah. and she, the person who hurt me, she made sure that I wouldn't tell anyone. Right. She told me things to prevent me from telling other people she was the only person that was giving me any guidance and so and no one suspected that she would do that to me no one thought that the babysitter would do that to me now here's the thing Berto is there's a chance and I hate to put this out there that your kids have been approached before and haven't said anything to you right right well I mean I was and no one knew till I said years and years and years later so that's another door that you want to open. And right. it's like, has, so I want to ask you, has anyone ever given you that? Right. Has anyone ever asked you or made you feel uncomfortable or touched you or tried to touch you? You're not going to get in trouble. There's zero chance you're going right. to get in trouble. The other risk that I don't think your kids would do, but everyone listening out there is another thing to think about. And this is the, this is why we avoid this whole thing. Cause we don't want to think about any of this stuff. <laughs> your kids might have exploited other kids. Right. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. They might about. at this moment, you know, the, yeah. the first time you bring this up, they might right. suddenly realize I am one of these people. I'm one of those people. Yeah. So you have to start introducing that idea. Yeah. Of, well, it's, it's, it's similar to bullying, right? Like, Imagine you start having a conversation about bullying with someone with your child, yeah. and you don't realize they're currently bullying a child. Yeah, yeah, right. But this one seems more risky because the way in which we talk about sexual predators is that they're monsters, right? And the way that they're talked about in society. And so exploitation of others, you know, there's a spectrum between monster exploitation, a monster exploiting someone and someone who is confused or hasn't learned what to do in situations like that or um, was modeled something and repeated it or, you know, like with you, Berto, if your dad had come to you, say, when you were six or seven or a little older and had a conversation, there's a chance that you would have thought, wait. I've done that to some girls my age. I, you told a story once about how yeah. you just reached down and grabbed a girl. So you reached yeah, yeah. into her underwear. Right. You were just sitting in a car, I think, and yeah. just grabbed her butt, you know, skin yeah. on skin. And she didn't like it. Right. And that's bathing suit area. And right. You and didn't... I was puzzled because I'm like, well, I thought that's what we do. Right. So if your dad had had that conversation with you after the fact, you might have drawn one-on-one together and said, wait, I am one of those right. people that my dad is saying could hurt. I, 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 am I a monster? So that's why we need to have these conversations age-appropriate and explicitly. I, I mean, I think if I had gotten that perspective, because I am someone who is, you know, empathetic normally, but in that, in those cases, I was completely oblivious that that might be hurting someone. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't realize I had been hurt, right? right? So it might have been useful for me to hear it. Right. So, I mean, (laughs) best case scenario, 
it opens the door to have a conversation. I mean, just imagine if your dad had effectively opened the door and you take the bait and, and you're like, well, actually, that did happen to me. And your dad right. talks with you about that and says, you know, that was wrong, that, that what she did. Right. And you say, well, actually, I've done that to someone else, kind of. And, and you say, like, well, it's good that you said, said something. It, it was modeled to you. You did what was shown to you. So don't think that there's something wrong with you. You just did what, what you learned. It's like learning ABCs and you just repeated it. So don't think it, but know that you should never do that. Yeah. You should never right. touch someone without their consent. And I got very lucky in that instance because the, the, the little girl who was a little older than me laid such a clear boundary and was so obviously not happy about that action that it, I really recoiled from it thinking, oh, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel it probably protected me for some amount of time from re, you know, like doing that more. Mm-hmm. But who knows? But yeah, I think that if my dad had had that conversation even after the fact... It, it would have still been helpful, even if it might have been a, a bit painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe very painful. But Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll say before going on to the other four, the, you know, the other five tips is this is extremely nuanced and it's difficult to know exactly what to say. If we lived in a different society that wasn't so busted up about sexuality in general, this would be a lot easier. Because yeah. the information would be out there, the kids would would hear it from other people, they would talk about it amongst themselves, age appropriate. We as adults wouldn't be so freaked out as we enter into a conversation around that. Right. Um, the I always give this example, if you have a seven-year-old who is at school and the teacher walks up to the kid and slaps the kid across the face, the kid in all likelihood even if the teacher says, don't tell your parents, the kid right. is probably going to tell their parents. Right. <laughs> but the same teacher grooms the kid, gets them alone in a closet, and touches them. The kid is extremely unlikely to tell their parents without, you know, just without any intervention, even with education to the kid. If you, with, yeah. Because our society sends so many messages to the children, even at that age, that sexuality is shameful and those who participate in it are disgusting, even people who are being coerced. Or Every, there's everyone, no messaging, right? Because like with the violence thing, from very, very young ages, you're watching TV shows where violence is not okay. Right. Yeah. And it's often discussed. Yeah. The teachers will say in preschool, in kindergarten, in first grade, you do not hit other people. There's all these examples. It's out in the open. And, you know, you could argue that that makes sense because violence is a much more common thing that's happening on the playground. But but regardless, because our society is so strange, kids know, even at the age of five... That they're not supposed to talk about that. Yeah, it's it's gross. It's disgusting, or it's not okay. There's something wrong with them that it even happened, and uh, that. So, if we live in a different society, it'd be easier. But anyway, let's take a break. We get back. Let's go over the other tips. What do you say, Bert? Let's do it. All right, Berto, we're back from the break. The second tip here is address the topic of harmful secrets and explain that responsible adults would not ask children to mm-hmm. do this. Make sure children know they can they can confide in their parents or guardians if someone, even a trusted friend, asks them to do something that disturbs them. 
So I think we've already covered that. Yeah, and this one is more along the lines of what I've done, both through examples and explicit conversation. Yeah. And I would add specifically around people touching them or wanting to touch them. Right. It's not that, just general yeah. lies. That, that's the part that I think I need to double click into. But the idea, because it's hard when you're a little kid, you and your friends have all sorts of little secrets. You make secret codes. You do. So if your parents like you, you shouldn't be keeping secrets. It's a, like it's a, could be a confusing message. Right. So it, we, we, when we've discussed it, it's very specifically about like keeping secrets from your parents. It was part of the conversation. Well, I might even give examples there. Like, hey, kids. We generally don't like it if you keep secrets from us for a variety of reasons, most importantly for your own safety. But there are probably some things that you will keep a secret from me, which are probably okay. For example, if your best friend tells you that they want to be an astronaut when they grow up, but they're embarrassed about it and they want you to keep it a secret from me and everyone else, then the harm of that secret isn't likely to happen because your friend is confiding in you in something and you don't need to tell anyone about their dreams of becoming an astronaut. That's not something that is important you tell me. But if your friend tells you about a, an event that happened where someone touched them uh, in a way that made them uncomfortable and they tell you and say, I need you to keep this secret, it's, there's a chance that the, your friend would actually be better off if you did tell me that secret because not that we would tell everyone about it, but we would actually take action to help your friend from being harmed again. You know, providing examples yeah. and, uh, and we, because we, just saying no secrets. Right. And this is part of the problem with a lot of the authoritarian messages that are told to kids. They will say, never lie and never have a secret and never break the rules. Right. <laughs> and and never use drugs. You know, these kind you know, when you get to teenagers. And then like just use the don't use drugs. Drugs are bad, okay? And then as a sixteen year old kid, you're watching your parents drink alcohol, smoke weed, you're watching other people smoke cigarettes, you're watching your teachers are addicted to caffeine. So you don't believe anything. And you're like, <laughs> wait, so it's all bullshit. Yeah. This whole thing is bullshit. Might as well smoke crack. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So you need to have a, a nuanced conversation totally. around these topics. Yeah, and I, I think the examples are critical. I think the as the more we talk about the 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 thing that I've really lacked in a lot of these conversations, a lot of it is because they were younger. But you know, depending on what age, is the specificity around the grooming and the touching in conjunction with the secrets, because. One thing is that most often when, when little friends are having secrets, especially about, you know, like random things like what they want to do or their secret codes and stuff, it's very rare they'll say, oh, and don't tell your daddy or don't tell your parents about this, hmm. you know, because like, why would you ask right, that? Right. You might just say, hey, this is between us. Whereas, and not always, but whereas, you know, if, if you're a groomer and you're very aware, especially if you're older, you would probably actually specifically make sure this doesn't get back to, you know, your daddy, that's, you know, between us. And that's like, that should be a red flag. Mm -hmm. But to your point, examples can really go a long way too. Mm -hmm. Because same thing with not becoming paranoid about everyone. You also don't want to be like, oh, I, I can never hold a secret for a friend or I can, you know, right. that'd be ridiculous. Right, exactly. Counterproductive. Yeah. Or a friend, you know, another example. A friend of yours tells you that they peed their bed last night. Right. And they don't want anyone to know. 
or they pooped their pants at school. Ha right. ha ha. But let's just say that happened. And they, they don't want you to tell anyone. That, keeping that secret, as long as there's no medical problem, <laughs> but it was just an accident, keeping that secret is is not necessarily going to harm you or your friend. Right. But there are some secrets that if you keep, even if people are desperately asking you to keep that secret, everyone, including your friend or whoever's telling you the secret, might be worse off if you actually keep that secret. There are some secrets yeah. that are really important that you actually tell me about. The other thing that I would tell, and I've told younger people, and really everyone, is if you tell me a sensitive secret, I want you to know that I will not immediately just blab about it or take action. We will have a conversation. I might have an impulse. You know, if you told me, for example, that, you know, like this is for your 12-year-old. If you told me that you or one of your friends was thinking about suicide, if they were depressed or they wanted to kill themselves, hurt themselves. If you told me about this, I'm going to tell you right away, I would have an impulse to tell their parents or to talk with mommy if it was you <laughs> and talk, get you a therapist. But I know enough to know that I need to slow down and ask you what we should do about it. I would talk with you about it. Should we go to wow. their parents? Should we do this? I, I can't guarantee that I'll go along with what you want, but I'm not going to just run off and freak out and take action without us having right. a conversation about it. Because yeah, the, uh, kids and people need to know that if they tell you that you're not going to ruin the entire situation. You know what I mean? That's a tough one. I need to work on that because I do, I am perceived by my children as a reactionary individual. Like what? Well, you know, if daddy gets involved, like I am, <laughs> I am the disciplinary, well, not on all fronts, but on a lot of fronts. If, if, if we get to the daddy stage, uh, man, okay, I guess I'm going to have to do the thing, you know? <laughs> so it's one of these like, because I, I, I don't know, I get into this mode, like no nonsense mode. So it's like, wait, you know, if I hear something upstairs, I come up, I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, ah, no, it's like, well, I want to know what's going on. And then, oh, I, I just wanted to delay doing this thing for school. Then I'm like, uh-uh, no, we're doing right now. You know, so I think maybe that creates this impression or I'm, I'm pretty sure it creates this impression. Like as soon as daddy finds out, it's action time <laughs> and if and therefore well, that could be worked with regardless you yeah. could say look if you're worried daddy's gonna just yeah. take reactions very quickly go ahead and tell mommy and mommy will yeah. decide whether or not she wants to tell me sure but, but sure. tell one of us and maybe i could make it explicit like this is one area yeah where you can trust right I'm not going to go into reactionary daddy mode. <laughs> right. Because, because one, I want you to know prior to, I don't want you to worry that I'm going to ruin everything if you do tell me. The other thing is, it's not really in that category. You know how when, yeah. you, when I come around the corner and it's you like, guys are bickering about something. You haven't that, done that, your that, homework. That has to do with right. homework and yeah. other kinds of stuff that you need to be responsible yeah. for. Telling me a, something like this—that's not—that's right. not in the same category. This right. is something that is very sensitive. It's it's very complicated, and I know enough to know that I have to yeah. be thoughtful about what I do with that information. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up because, as you were talking, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so it's good, you know. But I think it can be worked into the advantage of pointing yeah. out, like you said, a 
if you feel comfortable with mommy first, that's great. B, this is a different category altogether. And yeah. Here's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, number three tip is discuss the concepts of respect, consent, and gut feeling. So children cl- clearly understand when someone has crossed the line, even someone who seems okay. Kids, sh- kids should also understand that they can withdraw consent at any time. They're allowed to change their minds. So, you know, that last bit is great, but hopefully we're not at that point. I mean, I guess the consent would be, look, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I want us to go into the woods. and Do you want to play a game in the woods? And, and let's say you agree to that. And then you get into the woods and you don't feel comfortable or they ask you to do something in the game that doesn't involve your body in a way that is not okay. You can say, well, I didn't know this is what you were asking me to do. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I take back my consent on this game. I'm leaving right now because some people might actually use that against you. They say, well, remember you said you said you would do it and know that you can always change your mind. Dude, I was very susceptible to this as a younger person, Mm. just in general. The idea of like, well, I did say I was going to do blah. And so, you know, not that, but so it wasn't all about like even sexual abuse stuff. Just a lot of times where I got myself into a situation. Like what? Oh, as an example, invited to a a trip I didn't want to go on, but at first I said I probably would go or invited to a youth group meeting. Like, for example, when I started college at UW, I got invited to this Friday night thing. And uh, at first I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a social gathering and I went and it was like a reborn Christian thing. And I didn't really want to be involved in it, but I felt committed. So I went like one or two more Fridays, (laughs) but I didn't really want to go, but I felt like I need to go, but Mm. I didn't really need to go. Mm. There was no commitment. Like they weren't depending on me for anything. And I used to do things like that. So where So you might have been at risk if someone Right. Had someone could have taken advantage against you. financially or potentially even sexually of me feeling like, well, I do owe it to this person because right. I said blah. So the key when you're talking with your kids about stuff like this is there's a huge red flag to someone that wants to harm you. And that's when they actually start wanting to touch you or touching you or wanting you to take your clothes off. There are certain markers that if you ever, if anyone ever asks you to do, is a huge effect. Now, when we talk about 12-year-olds or (laughs) 14-year-olds, it's easier in my book because you can actually start talking and using words like rape or sexual assault. Hopefully, they have some awareness of this. Oh, man. So that's... Right. We just talked about this, uh, meaning my wife and I just talked about having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, because it is such a Cause there's monstrous gonna be a, thought. <laughs> well, there's going to be a point where your oldest, and I'll like, at some point in her life, she's going to be around people that are drinking and drugging. Totally. And someone's going to offer her a drink, or she might even be intoxicated, and someone wants to get... And maybe, yeah. maybe your daughter even likes this person. Right. And is impaired or pressured, peer pressure, mm-hmm. or wants to please this person, it's the cool kid, wants yeah. to you know get them to like her or something. Pretty nuanced conversation around this, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of examples where kids will be hurt 
in situations like that and have trauma that will last them the rest of their life or will need a lot of therapy to recover from. One one of the things that I've noticed is um, true with both my kids, but at different levels, obviously, uh, they're sheltered. (laughs) What I mean by that is um, they'll say like there's a show that my wife and I will watch and my daughter will be like, why can't I watch it? I'm like, it's not for you. It's like it's some more adult show. And then and then they'll say she'll say, Oh, but I know many kids in my class that watch that show. And I'm like, really? Like what? What's well, as an example of Rick and Morty. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Sixth graders? And this wasn't a possibility when I was in sixth grade. How would we, we watch something like Rick and Morty? Yeah. Impossible. But I'm thinking, whoa, okay. Now... So that means well, that there for those are, who don't for those who don't watch Rick and Morty, yeah. give an example of why that show is okay. So you know there there's a lot of explicit sexual conversations, things like you know eating ass, and uh, you know they use a lot of euphemisms, but there's a lot of stuff. And um, there's yeah, a, like the episode where it's the end of the world, and Rick and the older girl, the daughter, yeah. go to that world that they, they skip to different worlds that That's are... That's right, and they're having have, crazy parties. And, and like, everyone's oh, I having... I just want to eat so much ass. And yeah, and, and Rick and is, yeah, just having all this sex and right. talking about or, it. And, or when he has in, I think, season one, when he has the entity, a unity, who he's having sex with tons of people that are all possessed by this entity. And, and, like, and the violence is... The violence crazy. It, so that, that, to me, would be kind of the worst part. Sixth graders in her class are watching the show, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, so all that's in their brain. Yeah. That's not in my daughter's brain, but that transfer is not that hermetic. So, they, so I'm thinking it's a ticking time bomb here. Like what do you mean? Taking time off in terms of information transfer and in terms of situational transfer. Like where, what? What's uh, what happens when the bomb goes off? The bomb goes off. They go off on their you know once a year they have their their uh, retreat where it's an overnight thing and then conversations are happening and a lot of those concepts get into those conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, or worse, uh, some kids try to take action on things that they've seen or whatever. Right. And yeah, we haven't <laughs> prepared them for that. So there's that. Um, and even my, my seven-year-old, not so much on the sexual side, but we have friends whose kids who are about the same age have seen a lot of violent shows and scary shows like Stranger Things, which Stranger Things for a seven-year-old. Yeah, no. Are you kidding me? No way. Even my 12-year-old. Even my wife. Yeah. So like, for example, we watched um, Wednesday with my 12-year-old. And she was fairly freaked out at some of the scenes. She didn't go as far as having nightmares, but she was kind of freaked out. Stranger Things is too far. Like, that one's even scarier. So I'm like, I don't know. Uh, But my seven-year-old, but some of the kids apparently watch these shows. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening. And that's why I'm saying, like, there's an imbalance in the force. (laughs) Yeah. It's complicated. Would a a child be harmed by watching these things? It's, It's hard to tell. But... It's definitely not something they need to watch, right? <laughs> so to me, it's like, why take the risk? Right. Uh, it's better that you don't take that risk. There's plenty of other things to watch. You right. know what I mean? The other thing that I am often encouraging parents is your kids will be exposed to a lot of other kids. Yeah. There's all, no matter how freedom oriented you are with your kids, there will always be other kids with more freedoms. Yeah, and you will always hear from your kid, but so and so was <laughs> was allowed to. So yeah. 
if you gauge your parenting based on that, <laughs> you're doomed. Okay, so the fourth tip here in the article is, as daunting as this might be, take time to understand the online world in which your children are interacting. This is the primary place where predators contact them. They anticipate that parents will be too busy or clueless to do much more than check in hmm. now, now and then. Kids who become intensely involved with individuals online in online spaces might be getting baited, and a predator will encourage them to hide their relationship. Learn about the apps that offer ways to keep tabs, such as Microsoft Family Safety and Google Family Link, and, uh, and attend programs offered to teach parents about internet safety. Berto, do you have anything like this? On uh, their, yeah, on? I mean, well, so a couple things. The accounts that are used for communication with my older child, my 12-year-old, that is an account that is on my phone. And even though it's also on her phone, like I see everything. Mm-hmm. And it's the messenger kids thing. Second... Messenger kids? Messenger kids, yeah. Facebook like Facebook messenger, messenger yeah. kids? And she has a Facebook account. She has uh, a me- she has a, an account that she can use on Facebook Messenger Kids only. And Messenger Kids does it have like words that you can't send to yeah. each other? Yeah, and and um, like they're you banned. can't just befriend someone randomly. And it it bans certain words, or the words will flag the. I think it's just filtered out or something like that. Okay, and, and you again, have access. I see everything. Yeah, yeah. Now, we've also had the conversation. For the 12-year-old, too? Only the 12-year-old. The 7-year-old doesn't have this. Yeah, yeah. But we've had the conversation explicitly about online. Because I'm guessing your 12-year-old's like, you know, there are other kids who can freely text without oversight. She hasn't said anything like that? No. Okay. Uh, For now, for now, she's a rule follower like her mom was. (laughs) Honestly, kind of like I was, too. Hopefully it stays that way. We'll see. And by by a rule follower, I mean your like, seven year old is not going to. No, follow. I know because when I was a kid, like I I was I was the kid you actually didn't have to worry with those kinds of things. You know, like I wasn't trying to break. I wasn't trying to figure out the edge the edge cases. Yeah, me neither. Uh, there was something I was going to say earlier because you were saying that hey, there might be a plus for some of my older kids' uh, friends seeing her as maybe someone who's you know, not as aware of a lot of, because I actually was like that in high school and later found out that I was excluded from some pretty chaotic activities that would have been dangerous thanks to that. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was kind of that way too. I I think I talked about this in a rerun when we were talking about Lance Armstrong in which years and years later, I found out that (laughs) pretty much everyone on my football team, Mm -hmm. my teammates, I was captain of the football team, right? meaning that I was heavily involved. I was seen as a leader, meaning that I knew all the players and developed relationships with everyone. And I learned years and years later that all of them were using steroids and wow. had it, and, and hadn't even offered it to me because they knew I wouldn't right. take it. All of them. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, not every single. Sure, there sure. Were, but we, it was very per- There's like a hundred uh, pl- you know, kids on the team. But all the, all, all the ones that were starters who were close to me, you know what I mean? Oh, actually, and we've talked about this before. This extended into my adulthood. Like all our, our some of our mutual friends that yeah. would be into like certain kinds of drugs. Oh, yeah. For the longest time, they would pretend it wasn't happening and keep it away from me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Uh, the same, some of the same friends. Yeah. They, they would be doing cocaine, yeah. for yeah, example, yeah. or ecstasy right 
along with us they, yeah. would, they would just go to the back they wouldn't even offer it to us because right. they knew we wouldn't take it because we were high on life man we didn't that's need, right let's take a break and let's go do our drugs and we come back <laughs> let's do the tip the, the fifth tip what do you say let's do it All right, we're back from the break. So, num- oh, so do you have a an app on their phone? Because they do they have the twelve year old. She has a browser on her phone. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, but it's restricted. So the phone is. She got the phone at eleven, and it is uh, an Apple phone, and it's got a child account, and it has restricted apps. What does that mean? Meaning that you can't search just for anything and you can't actually go to any website. There's only certain types of websites you can access. Yeah. Now, I worked with a lot of kids when these measures started to become implemented in the aughts and the teens, and they would tell me there were ways around that sort of stuff. Oh, I'm sure. So (laughs) do you ever worry about that? Uh, Yeah, uh, I do. Again, I haven't yet noticed leaks in the system from the perspective of like her trying to circumvent things, but you never know. And and, and plus when they go over to a friend's house, like, I don't know. I don't know what their internet situation. You know, I had a, a thought the other day. I don't know if they've got guns in the house. I don't know what their internet situation is. Yeah, There's so much I don't know. Yeah. And I feel awkward. For example, I feel awkward going to a parent and saying, hey, my child is... Why, why do I feel awkward? But I do. Hey, my child's coming over to your house on Friday. Can I just ask you some questions? Yeah. So so here... And I know you know yeah. this, but here are the options. The parent is so offended that they're like, screw you. Right. And I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> then it's like, well, good riddance. Yeah. The other option is they're mildly offended, but they go along with it. And so be it. But... In all likelihood, they'll be like, oh, my God, I was worrying about the same thing. Can we share? Inf- Do you have guns? And, and Berto, you're like, no, there's no gun. And they say, we don't have guns either. And you learn to yeah. trust each other. You you know right. that you're – or if they do have a gun, it's locked up properly, all that kind of stuff. So worrying about hurting other people's feelings or worrying about it being awkward is the fertile soil yeah. in which – not only just general risk to children takes place, but also sexual exploitation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you model it for your kids too. Literally, right in front of your, right in front of the girls, right in front of your twelve-year-old and their friends. You'd be like, "So let's talk about home safety." Yeah, yeah. everybody. Who has a gun? Does anyone have a gun? Right. <laughs> let's talk about it because then you model for the kids. Look, there's it's okay. That's to talk a about. great idea, man. I. I it's funny because I do that with so many things. Like I just like shining the light of the day onto things. Why am I? I know why it's culture, it's society, but it's so weird. Especially because I'm so paranoid about my kids. Why would I just leave things up to chance? Well, <laughs> cr- correct me if I'm wrong. You've been in, in denial. Sure. Like yeah. you've been in the up yeah. until now when yeah. we're shining the light on it. Yeah, you're yeah. like it'll never happen. Well, no, I, no. Actually, it's worse than that. I've just the other day I was thinking about some of these things and thinking, hmm, because I got to tell you, when when my first child was younger, there were often times where she stayed uh, at places just at a place that I know very well and with people I know very well, where I was still very paranoid. Mm. But now where it's more common that she'll go over to a friend's house, right? I, I it's places I've never been to. And it's conversations I haven't explicitly had. And I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, what? Why? 
Like what's stopping me from having those conversations? Awkward? Like that's just, so yeah, it, it's it's um uh, I'm I'm committing right now to stopping the silliness. Yeah. <laughs> By doing what? By auditing everyone's houses, coming in with microscopes and black well, lights. And, well, what does that look like? Because, you no, know, there kidding. are parents listening. So. No, no, no. I'm actually going to do, I, I like your example. Um, first of all, I know these parents. I do know the parents. So uh, I like the idea. I might even give them a heads up ahead of time. Be like, yeah. hey, I want to have the following conversation and actually in front of the girls so that they, basically what we were just saying. Mm-hmm. And the kinds of parents that might say, ooh, that's weird. I don't want to do that. I might start having second thoughts about at least allowing my child blindly to go over to that place. Oh my God, yes. Right? I mean, that is tip of the iceberg yeah. for a, another parent yeah. to whatever factors are result, like either they don't give a crap right, or they're hiding something yeah, or they just are scared in general about breach, broaching any kind of topic, yeah. even, even overt kind of quote unquote safe topics like guns or heavy machinery in a house like that is a massive red flag for that is not a safe parent that you can leave your kids with i mean a parent who can't just have a conversation imagine if we could change the culture so parents are always able to have these conversations even the bathing suit area conversations right (laughs) well so so yeah the the other thing i'll throw out there i don't know if you do this with your kids with your 12 year old is to literally just watch what they're doing online to just be in their presence. Kids want to be around their parents. Not all 12 year olds want to be around their parents all the time, but you know, generally kids like if you have a good relationship. So, you know, and as long as you're not, you know, breathing down their neck or what are you doing on that side? You know, jumping down their throat. <laughs> but, you know, if you're just around, because yeah. the, the typical stuff that a 12 year old wants to look at is, is pretty mundane stuff, right. you know, well, what does what does your twelve year old do you think look at online? Uh, she's like, first of all, obviously there's school stuff, but she's very into uh, things like art related yeah. and animals, like yeah. <laughs> looking at narwhals or right. you know foxes. So or... it, the chance that your kid would be upset if you were just casually observing, right, as she was browsing that, would be pretty low. Also, if she were bothered, that's a red flag. Yeah, especially at that age. Now. She's heading into an age when she's going to expect internet, some amount of privacy, in, internet privacy, and perhaps full reign to the full internet. Right. So when do you make that transition? Do you think? Yeah, thirty-five at least. <laughs> <laughs> so number five tip: realize that grooming often starts in the presence of parents in order to normalize it for the targeted child. Katz and Burnett's 2015 study investigated grooming in a sample of 95 children five to 13 years old. They found that 68% of victims reported that their abuser had manipulated their family members mm. and predators can be female as well. Be careful of assumptions. Yeah. Right. So this, this is totally true. Uh, yeah. The Larry Nasser comes to mind, the trainer for yeah. the American Olympic team. He was beloved by not only the gymnasts, but also the parents. And, and would abuse with the parents just behind a slight curtain. Or literally right there. Yeah. Because he would hide his hands. Right. Because he, in his medical procedures, it involved a lot of stretching yeah. of legs and, and... Hip manipulation. Hip manipulation. Stretching. And he would be sexually assaulting these children right as the parents are sitting right there. And so do not assume that just because right. these things are done right in front of you that... They couldn't possibly mm. be 
sexually exploitative or grooming. Yeah. Now, the more common examples are that the 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 abuser will groom the child while the parents are there and counting on or maybe inadvertently counting on the child feeling like, well, if my parents are in the room, then it must be okay and my parents must be okay with this then. And then the groomer will transition to yeah. isolation. It'll be, a, you know, if the groomer, if the abuser just went straight to isolation, the kid would know, wait, there's something wrong here. But if they tra- if they do all these interim things in right. the presence of the parents, then it makes the jump to isolation a lot easier, and the child will not necessarily see it as a as yeah. a massive leap to to the abuse. So it's important to to note that the the best defense you have against all of this is if your kid knows their boundaries and yeah. knows how to protect themselves. They can one say no, I don't want to, or at the first sign or of a indication they can come to you and maybe your kid is overly paranoid. You're like, well, actually when your coach was demonstrating how to stretch and I was sitting right there that I'm glad you told me. Yeah. I mean, God bless you. What a great kid you are that you did that, but I'll keep an eye on it, but it didn't look like, it didn't look like someone who was trying to hurt you. It just looked like stretching. It looked like, that he was demonstrating how to stretch. Yeah. Now, if he was touching you in a way, even if it was stretching, and even if it wasn't sexual in that way, uh, if you didn't want to do it, then by all means say, I don't want to do it. And you we can, can talk about no. that. And I can, I can go to the coach and say, don't do it with yeah. my daughter. So let's talk about, you know, so worst case scenario, your kid is telling you way too much, <laughs> you know? Right. In fact, that would be the gauge really yeah. is if your kid is, telling you about occasional moments where you're and you look into it or know that it wasn't an example of grooming or exploitation or sexually you know harming to the child and your kid is telling you about things occasionally along those lines then you know that you've done your job (laughs) in fact one of the strategies that i've used with some kids is actually setting up a situation where you have the kid you prescribe the kid telling you something as a as an as a parent even when everyone understands nothing happened, you know, right. it'd be like, so the next time someone touches you, even though we know that it, you know, say your friend just holds your hand or, or a teacher taps you on the head yeah. <laughs> to say, good job. The next time someone touches your body, I want you to tell me, not because we're going to say that's a time when you were being right, right, hurt, right. but I just want to practice right. what this is like. And I want to show right. you that when you tell me about this, I'm not going to flip out. We're going to have a conversation. That's interesting. And I'll ask you, okay, so your teacher patted you on the back when you did a good job on your math test and said, and so you're saying she came up to you and said, good job. And she tapped you on the shoulder. So let me ask you some questions. Did, did you feel hurt by that? No, I didn't feel hurt. Okay. Did you feel uncomfortable with it? Did, did it feel like something didn't feel right about it? No, it felt fine. Were there other people around? Yeah, everyone was around. Okay. Do you want me to do anything about it? No, I don't want you to do anything about it. Okay. You know, you run right. through the questions and you're like, okay, then we're good. That was an example of consensual touching that was completely fine. You know, you run through right. a practice run. Why did daddy take you out of the school? Oh, he told me that to tell him when my teacher touched my head and... <laughs> Well, I mean, you he can, freaked out. You can tell the teacher, by the way, I, I'm running a program with my kid right, right, right. that I, you know, I, I want to have a practice. So, you know, you can even, you can even tell the teacher, look, I want you to tap my kid on the head right, right. because 
then they're going to tell me about it and we're going to practice what that is like. I'm, this isn't to sue I just you. know I'm going to end up in jail. And like, what happened, Berto? I was following instructions. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'll just go too far with everything. <laughs> what do you mean? What would you do? I'll be like, all right, I want you to, as you're walking down the street, anytime anyone looks 45 degrees close oh, to you're your gonna, direction. you're going to punch him in the face. <laughs> so... I thought at the end here I would provide some signs that your kid is being abused, you know, not just tips on what to do preemptively. but And it's really hard because the the common tips, the common signs are so broad, like depression, mood swings, um, non-suicidal self-injury, you know, cutting, suicidal ideation, anxiety, nightmares, sleep problems, urinating in bed, triggered by touch. This one is more... Right. Indicative, right? If, by the way, all of the ones you've listed so far, I didn't have any of those. Right. <laughs> Triggered by their own body. Like they don't want to look at their body or no. they don't want to talk right. about their body. Their play might involve themes of abuse. So there are that, some, yes. Right. There are some things that are really huge red flags, like yeah. the fact that you reached down that girl's pants, right. the fact that you wrote a note in the second grade saying, yeah. let's make love. Yeah. These are huge red flags. Right. Uh, talk because now it's not an indication automatically but at the very least it's an indication the child has been exposed to things at least verbally that is probably not a good idea that the kid was exposed to by the way there was another instance which i've talked about before where uh my dad and i and the family of the girl and uh, my other little friend i think or i think it was just the family of the girl we were on a vacation together i we we're like, oh, I want to take, let's take a shower. And I was like, oh, I want to take a shower. We can take a shower together. And I was announcing it to the parents. And she was obviously like. Meaning you you were saying, I want to take a shower with a 13-year-old right. girl that was abusing you. Right. But of course, I was just saying it as like, oh, yeah, like, I want to take a shower. And the parents didn't think it was a good idea. So they shut it down. But I didn't understand why. Yeah. But it's, it's another interesting thing. It's like, oh. That's interesting. But that that would be a red flag. Right. So that coupled with all the other little signals. Because it's not common for a five-year-old to want to shower with, with a 13-year-old. Yeah. You know, that yeah. if it were... Now, would it be a huge red flag? No, because five-year-olds might say well, like, like, well, because, you know, some five-year-olds, especially bath time, they yeah. might feel like, oh, this is fun time where we got to play with toys yes. in, in the bathtub. And uh, they might bathe with their older sister or something. Exactly. something. So it, that, but a shower might and be a little different. this was a little different. And yeah. I kept insisting, kept insisting. Yeah. Right? Right. So that should have raised a red flag for some further conversations, yeah. right? If a, if a child is very secretive and quiet, but again, these are all things that a lot of kids will have. And I have seen way too many clinicians assume that any one of these things indicates that they... You know, I I don't know if it's so much now, but in the past, I would be in consultations with other therapists and they would have a kid that was depressed or anxious or urinating at a bed. And there would be people in the consultation that would just say, oh, the kid's being sexually abused. Right. They would pull a Dr. Drew. Just, (laughs) yeah, exactly. There'd be no question. And I would always, I wouldn't be in a position of power, so I would just internally kind of scoff at them of just yeah. like my god yeah it's possible for sure but you are on a yeah. witch hunt for you got some issues that you're still working out. yeah uh, should you investigate yeah but is it automatically 
in an indication of that. No. But the main red flag, like I said, is sexualized behavior in mm-hmm. general that, that we talked about. If you hear them talking about their genitals or other people's genitals or using language that is not age appropriate, yeah. uh, talking about sex a lot, touching their genitals a lot, these are these are red flags. Not automatic. You know, there's some kids who just pick sure. up on things or make up stuff, but it, that's a pretty red big red flag. The the bigger point here is we do not want to be in a zone where we're trying to see signs. We want to be in a zone where there's an open line of communication between your kid and you. Yeah. Because if that's present, then you can be pretty assured that they will tell you and or if you ask, they would tell you, right? Right. Often these conversations around, like, what's the sign of a kid being sexually abused? We've already lost. Yeah, if that's... It, it's the whole, like, let's treat your symptoms you're already having instead of how to eat healthy and right. have good exercise right. and sleep. And... and of course, teenagers will exhibit other kinds of very similar broad behaviors, drug use, school problems, isolations. Eating, eating, isolating themselves, eating disorder, hypersexuality, that kind of thing. But again, hopefully from day one, you have cultivated an open line of communication and a non-stigmatizing language style with your kids regarding their bodies and sexuality, age appropriate, of course, so that they can tell you and or if you see any of these signs, you can say, hey, could we talk yeah. about how, how you doing? And have an in-depth conversation and, you know, I just was a little worried about you and if there's anything you want to tell me or, um, hey, you know, I don't know, but I, I'm i your dad and I worry sometimes about someone touching you or hurting yeah. you. I, I don't want to assume anything, but I've heard other stories where some kids feel like they can't tell their dad about this right. and I just want, you know, can, can I ask you if it would, it would help me? I'm worried about you, so it would really help me to sleep better at night if you right. could answer me, answer this question in whatever way is truthful to you, um, I feel like I just need to know, has anyone ever touched yeah. you in a way that made you feel uncomfortable? Has anyone ever hurt you or said things like, I will touch you and don't tell your dad about it? Or, you know, can you tell me if yeah. anything's, you know, and if and if it has happened, you know, uh, let's talk about it. I'm not going to flip out, but I, I just need to know, you know. Um, Opening those doors. Yeah. And, and again, since when they're five, you're having occasional conversations along these lines when they're seven, when they're nine, and you build that culture. If you build that culture into the family and the expectations, kids won't know that this is weird. <laughs> That's Kids That's get right. stigma from us. Yeah, They see us enacting stigma and will thus internalize that stigma. But if you don't have that stigma around these conversations... They don't know where to learn that from. Yeah. They're, they're just like, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. They don't, they're like, they don't have any hangups around that, right? So, you know, age appropriateness, again, it's complicated, but having those conversations are important because why do we have these conversations with kids, Berto? Because they deserve it. Because <laughs> what, what's the outcome? What are we hoping for? We're hoping that they are, uh, they know about their own boundaries and then they're empowered to talk and get, uh, you know, get assistance from the people that can help them. Yeah. And that they grow up with less trauma. <laughs> right. We're trying to prevent them from being traumatized. Yeah. If someone touched them inappropriately and it doesn't traumatize them, it's not great, but that's not as concerning as if a child is traumatized by right. something, even if they don't know they're being traumatized. You didn't know you were being traumatized right. at age five. You don't want kids to learn lessons that say that their bodies are 
other people's objects or that their bodies aren't their own or their bodies are disgusting or that they can't trust other people or they can't trust themselves or they're dirty. You know, these are lessons that people will learn when they are exploited in these ways. They deserve to be exploited is another lesson that people will have. Um, There must be something about me that makes me exploitable because people exploit me and they don't exploit other people. I must deserve this. These are lessons that you do not want kids developing. Nope. Having things happen is something that is a risk. You, you, we as parents can never get rid of all risk. Yeah. But if you have preemptive things in advance, it will help them in the moment potentially. But even then, you know, say just let's just get real here. You could have the best approach with your kids. Let's just get specific with your kid. I hate to do this to you, bro. You could do everything in your power to help your kid and equip them. And your oldest daughter could be raped at the age of 16 at a party. Yep. And that is awful. But the damage can be massively mitigated if she felt like she could go to you and others uh, and your wife and talk about it and begin the healing process. When people are assaulted in these ways or exploited or coerced, there's the trauma of the moment. And then there's the trauma of the way everyone reacts after. Yeah. There's the trauma of the way families react. There's the trauma of the way friends react. There's the trauma of the way some of these people are labeled sluts and that sort of thing. There's the trauma of going to the police and how they react, right? So we have the power to take away the risk of that trauma after the fact, which sometimes can be most of the trauma, honestly. Yeah. Or at the very least, the biggest factor in recovery. We go through bad experiences, you know? Like with you, when you were sexually abused as a child, the effects lasted until you were able to process it. Right. Which was 20, 30 years later. Yeah. If you were able to process it right afterwards, if someone had, if your dad, it would yeah. have been probably the most likely person and said, hey, let's talk about that. And you know, it goes age appropriate and maybe revisits it age yeah. seven, age nine, age seven. You might not have needed much if or any therapy at all once you were older. So it's right. not that we're trying to prevent anything from happening, but we are trying to prevent the things that happen to our kids having 10 times the trauma and the <laughs> yeah. effect than would otherwise be there if we actually had a venue and a platform upon which we could help them recover quickly from the events like this. You know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because, you know, imagine if you're there for your kids and you're just like, as those thoughts start to creep into their head that they deserve it or there's something wrong with them or the world can't be trusted. If you're right there and to be like, let's talk about that because I could understand how you go down that road, but that's, that's not the case. And it was not your fault. That was, it's their fault. They're a criminal or something wrong with them. Here's what we can do to prevent this in the future. And let's talk about it. But the chance that people are out there just waiting to pounce on you, you know, it's it's not quite high. It's not high. There are signs that we can look for in future individuals. There are venues that people are more likely to harm you, but, you can still trust me. You can still trust your teachers in all likelihood. You can trust your friends. You can trust family members. That one person was strange, and there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Zero, zero wrong with you. You're not tainted. You're not broken. You, you were harmed. You, a criminal act happened to you. You were violated. And 
there's a path to recovery. Let's have you talk to some other victims. Um, I can talk about my own victim. Let's lead the, you know, let's talk about it. Let's get it out there. There's nothing wrong with it. You Hashtag know, me too. You it, know what it, I mean? it occurs to me, like, we don't even do this, honestly, with uh, even non-sexual stuff. As an example, uh, you know, like, I, I'm looking back, you know, when I was uh, 14, I, I hit my head pretty hard and I had stitches and all these things. And it was pretty traumatic for me. When you jumped down the stairs? Yeah. But we never really talked about it. And I certainly never, didn't have any therapy about it or anything. And it occurs to me like that would have been helpful. And that's quote unquote a minor thing. But it's because I was going to go the other route with my comment. I was going to say, yeah, because, you know, oftentimes bad things happen to us as we're growing up. Like we'll hit ourselves. We'll scrape our knees. We'll do other things. But then I realized... And we never even talk about those things. Usually it's just like, especially, you know, as a little boy, <laughs> a lot of the emphasis is like, toughen up, stand up, right. no crying. God, right? kill me. Um, and, and then, you know, part of it is, of course, certainly you don't want someone that, you know, just because you slightly bump your hand, you're like, ah, right. Okay, fair enough. But the flip side is like, you're never supposed to show emotion, process the, the damage, do anything. <laughs> right. That's the... That's the heuristic is a complaining child is a histrionic overreacting child. (laughs) And so you get, you get into this mode as a parent of just like, Hey, shut up and deal with it because you know, kids complain about the dumbest shit. Right. My Pete, you know, sister looked at my pizza. I don't want to eat it anymore. And you're just like, my God, (laughs) kids, will you just fucking eat the pizza? Like really every day, every meal or every time you're in the backseat together is constant (laughs) complaining. Well, to be fair, the sister's touching me. She touched me. It's like, work it out amongst yourselves. You get in this mode of just like. But the the photons bouncing off the pizza landing in the sister's eye can't change the taste of it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> she put her eye photons on my pizza and it's disgusting now. And y- you get in this mode, especially if you're overstressed, right? And you're burnt out as a parent. Right. And then they come around and they tell you something along these lines, like they hit their head or. Yeah, well, I just got to toughen up. Yeah. And, and what message are we sending our kids, telling our kids yeah. uh, that when we do that to them? Right. That what if it's something more complicated right. and more questionable, so, like they were assaulted <laughs> at school or at, at a friend's house? You know, they know that they're not supposed to complain. Yeah. So that was what, what made me in the moment catch myself. I was going to say, well, yeah, because we at least process things like scraped knees, but actually we don't let alone really terrible things. Right. Yeah. And we might find that when we actually pay attention and process and let it breathe, when a kid is complaining about something that is at least possibly legit, because, you know, kids will complain about some bullshit things. Right. But when they are complaining about legitimate things and we really pay attention to them there's a chance that they will not complain about the bullshit things it's possible <laughs> that they're complaining in general yeah because they don't feel heard in general in general yeah because we tend to look down on kids particularly of a certain age we'll just be like ah it's just constant complaining constant needs you know just right. be quiet <laughs> can't you just can't you just be quiet and just live your life i don't complain to you about every little thing <laughs> You know what I mean? There's this attitude of just like, get off my back. So with my with my little one, she, um, you know, I, I used to make her quesadillas sometimes for breakfast. You know, I'm like, and one day I make make her quesadillas. She's like, oh, I hate quesadillas. And I'm like, but when did this start happen? I've always hated quesadillas. 
what no you don't because you she's like yes i've never like yes i'm like oh my god <laughs> and it's like a shift from one day to the next so yeah right so so, so there are uh, situations like that and if you're late for work and you oh have yeah you're, other like, well, you're kids, gonna eat the quesadilla <laughs> well you're gonna eat it because i don't care if you hate it yeah. because i don't have time to make something else and literally this morning i asked you if you wanted a quesadilla and you said yes so yes. you know we'll talk about this another time well, you have the wrong kind of tortilla yeah <laughs> that's not the cheese i like yeah so you know it there's there's always that right. with kids and you, you always have to gauge is this a legit situation or is this something where they're just playing around with complaining or they're playing around with having their own uh, free will you know because that's that as soon as kids are old enough to exert their free will, they start exerting it, and often it's against you. Yeah. They 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 define their free will as whatever you don't want them to do. Daddy, a black widow bit me where the cat scratched my eye. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you'll see that look in a two-year-old's eye when they are able to walk and they can finally walk away from you. <laughs> when you're at the yeah. mall or something, they're yeah. three and... They get that look in their eye, like, "Oh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bolt around the corner." And you're thinking someone's gonna steal you and and murder you, or you're gonna get run over by a car. Right. But the kid doesn't know that. All they think of is fun. This Yay. is fun. I get. I have the power to run through Target. Right. And my parent has to chase me, and they will. And this is fun. And so, you know, every age, thirteen, I get to go to a party. And smoke a cigarette because yeah. that's what makes me feel like I have an individual personality and I'm me and I'm not my parents. I am me. I have an identity. So sometimes that manifests in I don't want to eat your fucking quesadilla <laughs> because I've always hated quesadillas because I'm an individual daddy and you don't know me. Okay. I know me. You think you know me, but I, I know me. You think you know me. And, and so really. sometimes as a parent, you're just like, I know you, <laughs> you're just playing a game. Yes. <laughs> Will you please knock it out? So, you know, it's complicated, but, and I guess, you know, I don't think I've, I don't know if I, I've thought about it this way, but when parents are not burnt out, they probably will have the mental capacity to notice when there's a legit complaint coming and will have right. energy and time to actually listen. So I think the key is burnout, right? The key yeah. is that you're not overly stressed and overly worked. Because if you are, it's going to be really hard to slow down and listen. So that's another tip that I might add here is get your shit together as a human being. <laughs> Let's say you have all the best conversations with your kid and you're on top of it, but you're overly stressed. Your life is in shambles and it has nothing to do with your kids. It's just your job or your yeah. your personal life, whatever. And your kid will notice my parent is struggling. My parent is, right. has a lot on their plate and I don't want to be an additional burden on my parent. So, Dude, and this is a, this is a matter of privilege because, yeah, I, I'm actually thinking back and I'm like, yeah, my dad in New York City, in Queens, only parent doing his, uh, in his what whatever you call it, residency as a psychiatrist or whatever, which takes up all your time. Delegating some of my custodial time to a a, a daughter of a 
friend or whatever, right? Like, and having very little time where he's not stressed. And it's like, so it's like compounding. Did you get that sense that you didn't want to burden him at all? No, not explicitly. I'm just saying that on top of everything else, I remember him being stressed. And so implicitly, I bet you I was. I just don't remember, you know, thinking that. At the very least, it possibly impaired his ability to detect what babysitters should be. Of course, dude. Dude, I mean, like... I, I do have the memories of us rushing all the time and him being stressed and him being like, oh, I'm going to be late. And just that sense of, you know, barely making ends meet and, you know, what am I going to do? I, I honestly, I think back and I, I now as a parent, I don't know how to deal with a little five-year-old by myself. That seems overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned privilege because there can be contextual problems that can right. lead to this, that people don't have any control over what i'll say is that for your benefit but also for the benefit of not giving the message to your kids that they shouldn't overburden you is to prioritize having a life in which you have enough mental emotional capacity yeah to have a chill open door to your kids to burden you with whatever they feel like they need to burden you with yeah. All right, Berto. Long conversation. I hope everyone out there got something from it. Yeah. And Some tools. Comment below with your own tips, with your own thoughts. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.